The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, let's get right to it because I never have enough time to talk to our next guest. The Oilers, having spent the first two-thirds of a game against the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night, went ahead and imploded in the third period. Five unanswered goals en route to a 6-2 route. And then it happened. A jersey was thrown to the ice and the debate flared up again. When you pay the dollar, do you get to holler for his reaction to that and for an explanation of just what the heck is going on with our Oilers? I'm joined by Jack Michaels, play-by-play announcer for the Edmonton Oilers. Hey, Jack. Hey, how are you, Andrew? Good to have, good to be back on. And uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of on the side of uh, do what you want as a fan, but like anyone else in life, I tell them to be original. And I think we've already kind of been down the Jersey Road. Uh, and so it, it's a combination of originality and also uh, understand that you're probably heaving over about a $250 jersey there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, you know I, look, I, I'm, I can totally understand family of four, it, you know, it, it's an arm and a leg to go, and you're disappointed by the result. Um, you know, in my estimation, obviously, there are some more original ways of communicating your uh, displeasure. But on the other hand, you know, I, I do have some empathy for fans who've trudged in the last 12 times at Rogers Place and seen their team only win twice. It can be awfully frustrating. And I think it's fair to say in the last decade, for the most part, with a notable exception of the playoff year, where the Oilers, I think, won 11 in a row at home one, at one point, I feel for the most part the club has played better on the road, not just this year, but in past seasons as well. For me, their best stretches of hockey in non-playoff years have come away from home. So, you know, let's talk about that and, and the jersey for that matter, because here's the thing. And I heard Ryan Jesperson on his show yesterday, the day before, say that, well, that's like a breakup. That's the equivalent of throwing your wedding band at your wife or husband. Um, but to me, it's not that. And because we have had this dark decade, and but we stay with this team. And when you say there's other ways to vent your frustration, I don't know, Jack, what those other ways are, because I'll bet you that guy's at the next game or, or is watching the next game. I know I will be. I'm frustrated, but I'm still going to watch. Well, I think... You know, I mean, the way I do it is probably through the, the radio show, probably through our post-game show. I'd, I'd vent to Reed and Rob. Sorry, guys, but it's true. I mean, that, that's probably one of the ways uh, that I would vent my frustration. I certainly want to be uh, firing a jersey that I paid 250 bucks for on the ice. And I, I agree with you. I, I think I think Jaspo's being a bit dramatic there. I don't I don't. <laughs> I don't see that. I think that's the heat of the moment. You see it on TV. and You know, it's like little kids spiking a football, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things that you're kind of replicating what you've seen done previously. Uh, you know, I, I think the first guy ever to do it was probably making a, making a, you know, making a statement. I still think he's, he's probably wasting the money. I mean, if I'm going to throw a jersey off, I'm going to be throwing a knockoff, or I'm going to be throwing my buddy's jersey. I'm certainly not going to be <laughs> yeah. throwing my jersey. Yeah, um, sure. You know, and I, I just, I'm not a big fan of the whole throwing stuff on the ice. I, well, granted, it's a jersey, but, uh, you know, I've, I've just seen too many times where, you know, that can lead to fights or a disruption and you end up in the, in the clink, and that's, you know, that's no good for anyone. Look, it, there's, this, is, this is a fan base that I think has done an unbelievable job of supporting this team as long as it's been in the National Hockey League. And granted, the team entered the league with a bang, was Stanley Cup champions within five years. 
but they've been there in the lean years, and, and this is a rough patch. I mean, and it's not the first time. I mean, I think the early to mid-90s, you know, from 92 to 93 up until about 96, 97, you know, we've been down this road before in this market, and the, and the fans have shown incredible loyalty. So, yeah, I don't think it's anything short of a permanent breakup. What really sticks out for me, Andrew, along those same lines is how this – this fan base, and I don't know whether you caught it or, or whether you noticed it, maybe you were even at a game, but Lucic got going at home a little bit in early January, and the fans just, I mean, were totally supportive, all in. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that, you know, in other markets, that was a guy, because of the salary, because of the expectations, that they'd really be getting on after he had such a rough calendar year 2018, but they were just waiting you know, to come back and fully support and be vocal about it and pump him up. And I think the same holds true for the team. But, you know, the team has to do its part, too. The team, you know, losing 10 of 12 at home, I mean, that's that's where there's a bit of it. You know, I can understand why the fans are jaded. They've got to get off to better starts, period. Uh, well, home and, you know, that's the thing, Jack. For me, here's what the difference is between now and then. Uh, and the then can be any any year in the last 10. The difference is I'm starting to grow concerned that the Oilers are actually playing as good as they're able to. It, it For me, it's not, and this is just me, but for me, I, I look at it when I hear Connor McDavid say we're not going to outskill anyone. Um, I wonder, well, wait a second, there's a huge difference, isn't there, between the players not playing well and the players not being good enough to play at the level they have to play to be in a legitimate playoff race. Well, I think there's some validity to that. I mean, I think when you look at a sample size of 135 games and you start looking at it 59-65 and the rest ties, since since the playoff year I'm talking about. They were 36-40 and 6 last year. They're 23-25 and 5 this year. I mean, I don't know when it stops being about underachieving and it starts being about this is what the team is. It's a 500 club. It's it's not it's not a quite not quite a 500 club to be honest with you. Um at this point in the game. I I think, you know, and I don't I don't necessarily anticipate the Oilers having a much better record than say you know let's say forty and thirty six this year. I you know I don't I don't see them necessarily winning thirteen out of fifteen or or you know or, or going on some kind of stupid run. But what I think Edmonton realizes is the opportunity is there this year in the Western Conference. It's a standalone year. You know, while the Oilers have been going five thirteen and two over their last twenty, Andrew Anaheim's been winning three games, and Colorado's been winning four games. <laughs> this is a wide open conference, and you've just got to string together enough wins to get in the tournament. And once you're in the tournament, then anything can happen, even though it's a seven game series. And I think the Oilers have to find a way to what is there twenty nine games left. So Andrew, for me. You know, that's a, they've got to find a way to go 16 and 11 or 17 and 10, something along those lines to give them a chance. I think that's probably enough to get in this year. And, so, and, and you know, that's, that's what we hope for, right? Because nobody yeah. seems to want this. No, exactly. And, and so you can't waste the opportunity. You, Edmonton's been given a gift. They'd be, they'd be double digits out in the Eastern Conference with this record. Well, they're not. They're three points out. 
So now, in the last 29 games, the Oilers have to find a way to, like I said, manage 16 or 17 wins on the stretch and give themselves a chance. And I think the fans will come back for that. I think they'll I think they'll understand that this is a team that's right around a 500 club, maybe a little better if they're playing at maximum efficiency and get a few saves. So let let's help them get there. And that's what I think you know the coaching staff is focused on doing. This is the team. Uh, I I don't necessarily think unless Edmonton wins seven or or eight in a row or loses seven or eight in a row, I don't think there's going to be mass quantities of buying and selling at the deadline. So here, you know, the the battle plan, I think, that's been established over the last couple of months is how do we get to about 40 wins and give give ourselves a chance? You know, give give yourself a chance with forty wins. And I think forty wins gets you to the postseason this year in the Western Conference. And, and then, and most people it, would be satisfied with that, right? Absolutely, because it would show it would show the Oilers dug their heels in and managed enough of a push to give them a shot. Right now, you know, if you continue, if you if in the next twenty games you win another five games, then you're going to be out of it. I mean, the the percentages tell you that there's going to be one team that's able to split their next 20 games, and that'll put you out of the race. But if you can if you can hang in it and continue to battle and continue to be in the mix heading to the final week, I think the market, based on what I've seen over the years, is they'll respect that. I, I think you know there's a there's a lot of anger over some of the trades that have that have weakened the hockey club, and I totally get that. So now that's been that's been put in the rearview mirror. Now this is the group, and you've got to find a way to challenge for that last spot right to the final week. I think this market and this fan base will appreciate that effort if the Oilers can get there. If they don't do that, and they're eliminated in the last, you know, eliminated with three weeks to go, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people in the market, and I'll understand that. Well, and you know, here's the thing: not all of that though is in our rearview mirror, and. You know, some objects appear closer than they are, but uh, Miko Koskinen gets a $13.5 million contract over, what, three years? And then Talbot gets the start twice. And again, as an uneducated fan, and I'm speaking of myself now, I sit back and go, why'd you start the guy who you didn't give the contract to? Well, I think there's a couple reasons behind that. I think... There was support from within the organization when Biko Koskinen was making his run, and there was some there was support to you've got to you've got to extend one of the two. You can't go into the you can't go into the off season with nobody signed in net with with no one really ready in the American Hockey League to take over. It's one thing if you've got Carter Hart in American Hockey League and you've seen enough of him at the NHL level to know that he's going to be a number one starter. Edmonton doesn't have that luxury, so you got to pick one of two. And, you know, at the time that contract was signed, and, and there's still a difference now, but especially at the time the contract was signed, Koskinen was sitting with a save percentage of 9-11, and, and Talbot was at 8-9-4. And Koskinen had a winning record four games above 500, and Talbot had a losing record of five games below 500. And you've got, you know, Koskinen basically giving up a goal a game, you know, a half a goal a game less. So the numbers, if you're picking between those two based on this season, and granted, it's only Miko Koskinen's first year with the Edmonton Oilers. This is Cam, Cam Talbot's fourth year. So, all right, sample size is an issue there, but you got to pick one. So I think the Oilers, you know, p- 
pick the one that they felt most comfortable going long-term with. I think also what factored into it is that in three of the four years, Talbot's play prior to Christmas has contributed to Edmonton digging a large hole Hmm. and not being, you know, not being at the forefront of the playoff picture from the get-go. Now, in the one exception, of course, Edmonton started seven and one. Talbot had a great year, and the Oilers used that seven and one start to carry themselves to forty-nine wins. That kind of propelled them forward. Uh, but in in the other years, Talbot hasn't been good enough in the first three months of the year. And in the era of three-point games, Andrew, you need a good start. It is so tough to get down by seven or eight points out of a playoff spot and try to work your way back in. You've got to do something stupid like Philadelphia's done and win eight or nine in a row to get back in the race when you get off to that kind of start. And so I think when you look at the large sample size, that's another reason why Talbot wasn't picked, is they're thinking in three of the four years, he hasn't given us given us enough of a chance heading into January 1 of feeling like they're they're a playoff team. Let's see what Koskinen can give us. Now, in the last couple of weeks, you can make an argument Talbot has played marginally better. But I don't think either goaltender has given Edmonton enough saves in the last couple of weeks. And I look at the two road games, the Wayne Simmons equalizer late in the game in Philadelphia, and the goal that Kotkaniemi scored where Koskinen had a chance to cover the pocket Montreal. Those are goals that can't go in for for playoff for playoff caliber teams. They just can't go in. And so I think both goalies have been guilty in the last three or four weeks. And you've heard Ken Hitchcock mention, you heard him mention after the Montreal game in particular. At some point you need a save. And so Cam Talbot gets that chance tonight against Minnesota. Uh, and I'm sure Miko Koskinen I don't know whether win or lose. I'm not ready to say that just yet, especially if Talbot was was the pitch shutout tonight. But I know Koskinen's going to be back in the net real soon, and and you know likely on Saturday five o'clock against San Jose back at home. Well, Jack, I'm pushing my luck a little bit here, time wise, but I can't help myself. So here's my question for you, and I honestly just don't know the answer to this. It feels to me, if you're talking about, for example, Miko Koskinen's um, deal, if you're talking about Lucic's deal, it, it feels to me like the Oilers pay a lot of money uh, for a player with the hopes that it will work out. I mean, I mean, maybe based on analytics or based on past performance or based on the history or whatever. And then when it doesn't, they find themselves in this logjam of a salary cap and that player becomes untradeable to the point where we're so logjammed now that short of trading McDavid, I don't know how we get out from under that salary cap and get all that secondary uh, scoring and all that, you know, a good goaltender and solid defense. I don't know how any GM can fix it now. Well, I mean, I think it's too early to start thinking, okay, that 13 13 and a half million bucks on Koskin and his albatross. I don't, you know, I don't know necessarily know whether that's the case. I mean, I think that just as if you have doubts about the contract based on a small sample size, you also have to have doubts about saying it's a bad contract based on a small sample size. I mean, you know, Koskin had three shutouts at home at a particular point in time where Edmonton desperately needed it. I mean, they were they were nine, ten, and one under Todd McClellan. The coaching change was made, and Koskinen came in and gave the, gave the team a tremendous boost and gave them a little bit of a cushion where the fact that the Oilers have won five games out of the last 20 and are still in it 
that's because of the work Koskinen did in December. Hmm. I mean, it really is. So, you know, he he has shown uh, that he can do it, and and quite frankly, Cam Talbot has as well. And and look, don't don't be surprised if if Talbot ends up. You know, I don't know how many suitors he's going to have. He hasn't had a great year, and he's he's going into unrestricted free agency territory. He's called Edmonton his home. If the Oilers are among a list of got you know a list of teams that want him, you know, for two years at a couple million or whatever, uh, I'm just I mean I, I have no knowledge of this, but I'm just saying he's going to look at that because maybe he thinks you know I can beat Miko out next year. I mean that's the other thing is a goalie is going to go where he feels like there's a potential to be the number one guy. So we might have the same discussion next year. Uh, but back to your, you know, what do we do with this out? Well, Lucic's deal is one where you can still extract some value because I don't think when you have a tough contract uh, amongst forwards and you do have Lucic who can, provi- who can provide something, um, you can hide that a little bit. I don't want to say hide it, but he can still be a contributor. Maybe not, you know, equal to his contract value, $6 million a year, but he can still be a guy who's a presence on a line featuring McDavid or Dreisaitl and create space for his line mates and, you know, pot the occasional goal and get in the occasional fight. You can extract some value out of that contract. I think, you know, the, the back-to-back sacra injuries are the killer. Because, you know, a $5.5 million defenseman to not have him in your lineup, that's tough. Because you've only got, you know, six D-men out there, Andrew. And when you're not slotted properly on defense, especially on the road, teams can take advantage of that. They can get to your second and third pairings if there are guys playing minutes above where they'd really like to be playing. And that's where the, the, the sacker injury and then Clefbaum being out 21 games this year, the Oilers just didn't have enough depth on the blue line to counter that. And they've got Clefbaum back, and he's going to try to work himself in. They've got Sacker and Bakersfield on a conditioning stint, but he's had two major injuries. So there is going to be, you know, a major question mark as to how, you know, how significantly he can contribute down the stretch. If he can, then I think you're going to see the Oilers uh, slotted a lot more properly on defense. And guys like Darnell Nurse and Chris Russell, who've been carrying a tremendous minutes load and probably above where they'd be most comfortable at. I mean, right now the Oilers pop, or the Oilers, sorry, I apologize, but he is my partner, so you can understand. But Andrew, you know, uh, Ryan. Suter has played five 30-minute games. The Oilers have two on that list. The only guys, Suter's the only guy who's had more 30-minute games than the Oilers, Oscar Clefbaum, and Darnell Nurse. They've had three games where they're playing 30-plus minutes. That's not ideal, especially you know, if, for Clefbaum coming off a major injury. And, and Darnell Nurse is still a relatively young defenseman. He just turned 24. Ideally, those guys should be around 24, 25 minutes. So that's where uh, the unknown of, of Clefbaum coming back and, and Sacra off the conditioning stint, I think that's going to play a huge role down the stretch as far as Edmonton turning around this goals against. Because right now, giving up three and a half a game, Andrew, in today's NHL, as you well know, when you and I were first friends, three and a half, no problem. <laughs> Three and a half today is a big problem. You're not going to win many games that way. Well, in the comeback, Hugh, the comeback, it can start tonight. The City Fort Faceoff show at 530. The puck drops at 6. Jack, I'm way past my time. Thanks so much for doing this. 
Well, the problem with having me on, Andrew, <laughs> is I ramble, and you're always past your time. I've never met a conversation I didn't like. So all those sponsors, blame it on me. You can give them my email. I will give them your cell phone instead. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> Take care. All right, you too. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.